Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 3, 1 through 5, called Bewitched. Let's take our Bibles or If you have something to open up a Bible in, we're in Galatians chapter 3 as we continue to move chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the letter to the Galatians. We are in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, a message called Bewitched. No, this is not based upon the TV show or the movie, but it is a word that Paul uses in the New Testament expressing concern over the Galatian believers. We're going to read the entire passage together, just five verses. Uh, When you locate it, if you're physically able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Galatians 3, verse 1, bewitched. Paul writes, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, Galatians 3, 1, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, verse 5, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your living word. Uh, This is obviously not an easy passage. As we go through it, there's a challenge that the Galatians had been put under a spell by false teachers. They had been coerced, brainwashed into thinking that somehow they had to perform to be in right standing with God or even to finish the race. And we've been singing this morning about the fact that we must surrender. The way we fight our battles is not by trying harder. It's by yielding more. It's by dying to self and allowing Christ to live in us and through us. We battle this, Lord. We battle self. We battle the flesh. And it's not always about the sins that we struggle with in terms of worldly attractions. But it's also our pride in thinking that we can handle the Christian life in our flesh. Forgive us for the times that we do that and the times that we may even portray that to others. That is not what the Christian life is about. But we would all, I think, collectively confess that we struggle with this idea of yielding. What does it really mean? What does it look like? We can be easily enticed by bullet lists and ten things that we need to do to accomplish something. So help us, Lord, in this endeavor to yield more to your spirit. Uh, As your word goes forth, may you be pleased with how we respond. May you be glorified. May you encourage each of us that we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit as our advocate. And the one who began that good work in in us will finish it as we yield to you, Lord. So help us with that. We lay this time at your feet and pray all of that in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. I heard a story about preaching to the bears. A priest, a Pentecostal preacher, and a rabbi 
all serves as chaplains to the students of Northern Michigan University in Marquette. They would get together two or three times a week for coffee and talk shop, and one day someone made the comment that preaching to people isn't really all that hard. A real challenge would be to preach to a bear. One thing led to another, and they decided to do an experiment. They would all go out into the woods, find a bear, preach to it, and attempt to convert it. Seven days later, they all got back together to discuss their experiences. Father Flannery, who has his arm in a sling, is on crutches and has various bandages throughout his body, goes first, and he says, well, he says, I went into the woods and I I found me a bear, and when I found him, I began to read to him from the catechism. Well, that bear wanted nothing to do with me and began to slap me around, so I quickly grabbed some holy water, sprinkled him, and Holy Mary, Mother of God, he became as gentle as a lamb. The bishop is coming out next week to give him his first communion and confirmation. Well, next went Reverend Reverend Billy Bob. He spoke next. He was in a wheelchair with with an arm and both legs in casts and IV drip. In his best fire and brimstone oratory, he claimed, Well, brothers, you know, we don't sprinkle. I went out and found me a bear. I did. Then I began to read to my bear from God's holy word. But that bear wanted nothing to do with me, so I took hold of him, and we began to wrestle. We wrestled down one hill and up another, down another until we came to a creek. So I quick dunked him and baptized his hairy soul. And just like you said, he became as gentle as a lamb. We spent the rest of the day praising Jesus together. Well, they both looked down at the rabbi. He went last. He was lying in a hospital bed. His body was in a full cast and traction with IVs and monitors running in and out of him. He was in terrible shape. The rabbi looked up and said, looking back on it, circumcision may not have been the best way to approach (laughs) the bear. Now that story does have some relevance for this sermon. And it's this. There was a group of false teachers in the Galatian church that were trying to say that circumcision saves you. And in Judaism, or in the thought of the Abrahamic covenant, the Judaizing teachers that we've kind of known them as were not saying that circumcision will help you continue your walk. Circumcision was seen as entrance into the covenant. So their conclusion was basically, if you had not been circumcised and you had not been a convert into Judaism and keeping the laws of Moses, you were not saved. So you could see why they were concerned. They thought you've got to do this to be saved. And Paul was saying, no, that is not how you get saved. You get saved by hearing the message of the gospel and responding to that message in faith. So for those of you who are taking notes, we're going to start with an exclamation followed by several rhetorical questions. That's the outline for the message. And we're going to be looking at a section that follows one of the most important or crucial sections in the letter. We've been pointing out a couple of key verses that we cannot forget. Let's just backtrack for a moment. In verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified, whenever you see that word, it should be rendered declared innocent or righteous before God by the works of the law. There's some debate about what the works of the law represent as you read different commentaries, but most would say 
It has to do with the keeping of Torah, but namely or specifically the push for circumcision and keeping the dietary laws uh, given through Moses. It doesn't come through works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified or declared righteous or innocent by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Now, skipping down to 310 for a moment, take a look. It says, for as many as are the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So for those of you who have been doing some in-depth study and maybe you've been looking at this idea of the works of the law, how do you define that? I would say that's a pretty sweeping statement in 310 that it would seem that it would encompass this idea of trying to keep the 613 commandments and subcommandments that are in the Old Testament or in the Torah. And so we have this section in chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Shane did a great job on that uh, last Sunday. And now we're moving into what we would call a theological defense of the gospel. It begins with an argument that the reception of the Holy Spirit is the decisive evidence of justification or being declared right in God's sight by faith. It is not circumcision. It is not conversion into Judaism, as it were. And it is not any other law or requirement that someone would press upon you. You get saved by the hearing of the gospel and by hearing with faith and you are born again of the Holy Spirit prior to any action that you could do. Whether it be going into a baptismal, whether in this case it be some outward work of the flesh. Paul's point is the simple gospel is proclaimed heard when responded to in faith there is something supernatural that takes place at that moment and it's a holy moment and all of us who could reflect at this moment on that moment in time when we gave our hearts to the Lord and some for some of you it was very early in life so it's maybe hard for you to pinpoint it for others of you it was a very emotional moment maybe you walked forward at a crusade maybe you finally yielded your life at a church service. Maybe it was with a friend. Maybe you were in your own bedroom and got on your knees and prayed. Some people got saved in their car listening to Christian radio. There's a whole host of ways that God saves people. We're even hearing stories of people having dreams and visions in the Middle East about Jesus and surrendering their life to Him. With all of that and that simplicity, yet the profoundness of conversion, Paul says, to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians. This is the exclamation if you're taking notes. Who has bewitched you? Oh, you foolish Galatians. The New England Bible says you stupid Galatians. So you could tell how politically correct Paul was in his writing, right? He, he's calling them foolish for allowing themselves to be bewitched or to be misled or you could even say brainwashed. The Greek word therefore foolish is a word that doesn't mean you're unintelligent. It means that you're being unwise. It doesn't speak of intellectual deficiency, 
but of allowing oneself to be duped when you know better. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. At this moment on that moment in time when we gave our hearts to the Lord, and some for some of you it was very early in life, so it's maybe hard for you to pinpoint it. For others of you, it was a very emotional moment. Maybe you walked forward at a crusade. Maybe you finally yielded your life at a church service. Maybe it was with a friend. Maybe you were in your own bedroom and got on your knees and prayed. Some people got saved in their car listening to Christian radio. There's a whole host of ways that God saves people. We're even hearing stories of people having dreams and visions in the Middle East about Jesus and surrendering their life to him. With all of that and that simplicity, yet the profoundness of conversion, Paul says to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians. This is the exclamation if you're taking notes. Who has bewitched you? Oh, you foolish Galatians. The New England Bible says you stupid Galatians. So you could tell how politically correct Paul was in his writing, right? He's calling them foolish for allowing themselves to be bewitched or to be misled or you could even say brainwashed. The Greek word there for foolish is a word that doesn't mean you're unintelligent. It means that you're being unwise. It doesn't speak of intellectual deficiency but of allowing oneself to be duped when you know better. It's being foolish when you know better. And how many of us as believers could say so many times in our lives, we've done dumb things when we knew better. In fact, it's really hard to take sometimes because when you're ignorant of something, it's like, okay, I didn't realize that. I've learned my lesson, but when you know better, it's so hard. And sometimes we've said that to kids and grandkids. You knew better. You know better. And that's often what happens to us. Now, there's some precedent for an exclamation like this. I'm going to show you in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32, let's go there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses addressing the people of Israel This is toward the tail end of the wilderness wanderings. He says these words. And as you turn there, let me share just a couple of uh, passages. This is Jeremiah 5. Just write it down for your notes, 21. Jeremiah says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea an eternal decree, so it cannot cross over it. 
Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They've turned aside and departed. Take a look at what Moses said in chapter 32, verse 1. Deuteronomy 32, 1. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass and as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim, proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, 32.4. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. They, the people, have acted corruptly toward him. They are not his children because of their defect, but are perverse and a crooked generation. Do you thus repay the Lord? Here it is, O foolish and unwise people. You could say it this way. Is this how you repay God? Foolish and unwise people. Is not he your father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. If you go back to Galatians 3, I wanted you to see the power in those verses because it's spoken to a group of people who experience the power of God, the presence of God, the delivering hand of God, the provision of God in the wilderness through manna, through miracles of water gushing from rocks, clothes that didn't wear out, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud by day. They had the direct blessing and presence of God. Some of us, you know, we, we have ideas that we wish we could have experienced things like that. And yet, Moses says to them at the tail end of his own ministry, you're foolish. The foolishness is, it, it, it goes deeper into the heart when we have experienced so much and yet we allow ourselves to be duped so easily. Jesus said to the two on the road to Emmaus, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Luke 24, 25, and 26. Paul's argument and his questions can be easily answered by the Galatians themselves if they're simply thinking things through. He says in chapter 1, I'm amazed that you're so quickly departing from Him who called you to a different gospel, which is really not another. There's a, a, a film out right now called The American Gospel. Some of you may have seen it. And it depicts some of these tragedies in the American church where people are being duped into thinking that the gospel is about prosperity. The gospel is about fame. It's about fortune. It's about popularity. It's about this or that. And so many people have bought into it, and they sit in churches every week thinking this is the gospel. And Paul says, no, you've been bewitched. Intoxicated by fancy clothes, oratory skills, the excitement, but often what's missing is the substance. Amen? There's a lot of show and a lot of flash out there, but very little Bible. What we need is Galatians 2.20. We need to realize that I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live. 
It's not about me. It's not about my life and my achievements. It's about Christ living through a yielded vessel. And this is where I will confess on behalf of all of us, we all struggle with it, right? Yielding, submission is hard. The power for salvation and holiness comes from the Lord, not from me. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to take your stand against the schemes of the devil. Who has bewitched you? Galatians 3.1 So the exclamation, foolish Galatians, the first rhetorical question, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Who has brainwashed you? One writer says the word in Greek here suggests that Paul regards his Galatian converts as having unwittingly come under the spell or the hypnotic effect of the false teachers. Paul's goal is to undo the spell, to break the spell. Have you ever been talking to someone and the lights are on but nobody's home? (laughs) You're trying to show them and they seem like they're under this hypnotic effect and you're like, wake up! Snap out of it! Right? But we can get duped in this way. We can get uh, enamored by that which is false because it appeals to parts of us, right? Bewitched means to charm or fascinate in a misleading way by flattery or false promises or occultic power. And it clearly suggests that this is the use of feeling over fact, emotion over clear understanding of truth. And Paul says, wake up! Magic, says one writer, attracted people in the ancient world. It promised control over their lives in an uncertain world. Paul is not endorsing it. He is employing a popular usage of the day to indicate the dangerous path the Galatians are on. These men have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Avoid men such as these, Paul says. This is not politically correct stuff, but here it is. You've been listening to Bewitched, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5. Remember, if you've missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. Look, we know times are uncertain right now, and that's why we're only asking for a small donation. So if you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. So you can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You know, when we start thinking about the gospel and how we are not saved by law, but saved by grace, some people say, well, then is the law just, you know, kind of done? No. Actually, the law is now something that you can fulfill by the power 
of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the risen Christ in your life. And so the law has been fulfilled in one sense by Jesus at the cross, but in another sense, now he gives you the power to actually fulfill the law. And so the law certainly still applies, especially as it relates to the moral law, namely the Ten Commandments. We can debate the Sabbath day. That's certainly been fulfilled, but Christ gives us the power, and you can even say the passion to do what is right. And the essence of the law is to love God with everything you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what God gives us, a new heart to love the way we were intended to love. Well, if you're a ministry leader or a pastor, uh, you know, this, this gospel message is something that we've been entrusted with, and we are to guard. Literally, the New Testament says for us to guard the gospel. And the book of Galatians really makes us think about the treasure we've been given and not to allow it to be diluted or changed, but to preach it in its purity because that is where the power is. And if you're a pastor listening right now, you're a ministry leader, I pray for you. The staff prays for you that you'll stay faithful to the gospel that saves. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on behalf of the staff and everybody who's part of the team here at Walk in Truth. We're grateful for you. Tell a friend about what you're hearing, and we'll catch you tomorrow, Lord willing, right here. God bless. And one more thing, please follow Walk in Truth Show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to connect with you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5, called Bewitched. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.